Hey, folks, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning into Front Row Knowles, and thanks to the Champions Club and Seminole Boosters for their longtime support of this podcast. By now, you've seen or heard about the Boosters One Tribe campaign, which is annual membership to Seminole Boosters that helps fund the most vital needs of the FSU athletics program, including scholarships, academic support, and athletic training. I'll put this as simply as I can. If you're listening to this podcast, you care about FSU athletics and should be a booster. Many of you already are. Thank you. And I encourage you, if you're able, to increase your support. If you're not a member, you can join for as little as 70 bucks a year. Just go to boosters.fsu.edu to learn more. And now sit back, keep your seat, keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle. Well, you know the drill. Enjoy the show. Here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. The world has not ended. We are one week into name, image, likeness, Keith, and we're still here. And I'm already annoyed. I know that will be a shock to our listeners. The cranky old man is annoyed. What happens? Story out out, uh, early this week, a uh, gym owner, workout gym owner in South Florida has already announced that he will be paying every scholarship player on the University of Miami Hurricane team $500 a month to promote his gym. Now, that's not an illegal inducement and or recruiting tool. I don't know what is. And then not to be outdone, University of Central Florida women's basketball team has been made a similar offer, but by a different sponsor. So, Keith, you're going to say, as predicted, there's some speed bumps here. There are some speed bumps. Now, so again, let's, let's take let's take the Miami one first because I had this at the top of the list. And by the way, in terms of what's happening on today's Front Row Knowles show, uh, we will talk about some of the positives of name, image, likeness, including a terrific story that emanated out of Florida State and a new player on the team, a transfer from Notre Dame, uh, who will join us later on to talk about uh, how he used NIL. We'll also catch up with Jerry Kutz from the Osceola and, and just dive into this. We are in July. It's slow season, but NIL means it's not slow. So let's go back to Miami. First of all, this is my disclaimer, Keith. I think you'll agree. This is not FSU guys being anti-Miami. This is more centered on the value proposition here from a booster at an institution, right? This is a great, agree. No, no, no. This has nothing to do with the U per se. So don't, don't take this. So I had several things. First of all, the story got released that he's going to pay 500 a month to all 90 scholarship players at Miami and I thought Miami of all places should probably know that there's only 85 guys on scholarship for the football team so that was the first issue like like where, who are the other five guys that are collecting scholarships right exactly exactly so I'm just, I'm just gonna assume that that somehow the guy who's funding this didn't know that and every media member who wrote that story even though many were sports reporters somehow left the number 90 in there instead of 85 correct Okay, let's go back to another gray area then, Keith, which is this. And we didn't talk about it last week with Jim Curry, but it, like most of the NIL, it's open to interpretation. Some schools, University of Florida being one, are interpreting the, the state of Florida's NIL law, as I understand it, to mean that if you're a booster, you can't have any, you, you can't participate in, in, in paying a student athlete for any service. And that's the way this Miami uh connected individual interprets it as well because he created a separate company and is funding them through that company because he's a booster to UF, right? So there's some ambiguity there about whether boosters could be involved, to which I would say, if we're trying to make this a free market for players and the most likely people to hire them for services are boosters, it seems like that's pretty contrary to the idea of a free opportunity for the students, right? I would certainly think if that got to the court system via some form of lawsuit, requested injunction, however that might work, I would assume that would be how the courts would interpret it as well. I think I'm going out on a limb here now, Tommy, but I'm pretty sure I know how the Supreme Court would rule it if it ever made its way that far. <laughs> right, right. Understand. So. So, so just to back up, the, the person we're talking about, his name, Dan Lam- his name is Dan Lambert. He's been a Miami booster. He owns some martial arts gyms. Again, this is not an anti-Miami conversation. This is really about just 
the mechanics of NIL. Uh, but he wants to pay every Miami football scholarship athlete 500 bucks per month, six grand per year. They use the math of 90 guys on scholarship, which that's off, but that's the number that's out there. So that's 540K annually. So more to the heart of what you're saying, Keith, as I looked at this, a, a couple of things that he's pointed out. One, he's already on record saying he doesn't care if there's any return on investment. So right. if you're a businessman that legitimately is investing in marketing or a businesswoman, uh, you would want a return on your investment. You're not going to just buy full page glossy ads or billboards or internet impressions and never care if there's any return on the investment, if you were truly in it for business purposes. Agreed. So, you're, so if he's on record saying he doesn't care about return on investment, then clearly he's in it to pay the football players. Right? Which is my point in my fear. Uh, yeah. And again, it's, it's all about uh, the unintended consequences. As you use the term speed bumps, we'll have to work these out. I get it. Uh, I'm not here as the old curmudgeon saying that this has got to go away and this is the worst thing that's ever happened. I'm just saying you need to be very, very aware and very uh, conscious of how enterprising individuals and players will find creative ways to generate income streams. And you're opening up a Pandora's box that you just need to recognize everyone out there. It says, no, no, no. This, this needs to be wide open. This needs to be completely in, in terms of, uh, of the players. Just understand you have thrown amateurism out the door completely. Many would argue it was already gone, but it is now completely gone. And let's just recognize it for what it is. Side note to this, and I have no idea if there's actually any paperwork that spells out what the players are expected to do other than the generic promote on social media, which as the business owner, you might interpret is actively promote every hour you've got to engage. And as the student athlete, you might say, I, I, I tweeted one thing over the calendar year, so I'm good. Right. So hopefully also, also brings up the other question. What if the head coach says we're banning social media during the season? Well, if a head coach says that in this landscape, Keith, they're going to have trouble recruiting kids period right now, but well, I hear it you. was done. It was done five or six years ago at Florida state by one Jimbo Fisher. I no, I hear you. I, I can't imagine that Jimbo's going down that road now uh, because he'd be depriving his, his guys of a chance to, to collect some dollars. Here's, here's the other issue that's opened up. And I, I saw it last night. I couldn't find it today, but referring to Dan Lambert again, longtime Miami booster, he's opened up, He's running this through his side company. I guess he started a business called Bring Back the U, and he envisions just getting all former Miami players to, to buy into this, and then they can basically feed dollars to the players. He's indicated, and he's been a guy, again, I didn't make this number up, so I must have read it somewhere. He's been contributing 15 to 30 grand per year to Miami Athletics as a booster. Well, he's now said, I don't think I need to be a booster anymore because I can just go to the athletes. Now, this is something, Keith, you and I identified a year, two years ago as it relates to boosters and as it relates to IMG Learfield or whoever the property rights owners for institutions. What if the people, the, the, the advertisers, the clients say, we don't need you anymore. We're going right to the athletes. And what does that do to athletic department budgets and to these third party rights holders who have guaranteed their institutions, we're going to pay you X based on the premise that they're going to go sell the advertising to collect Y and then take X out of it to pay the institution. There's no doubt in my mind, and, and I may be wrong, but there's no doubt in my mind that at the, the uh, regional or national level, when um, companies of significance are supporting college athletics through their rights holders, that they are expecting a return and they don't do it. And we saw during the pandemic, uh, firms withdraw their support because it didn't make sense from a marketing standpoint. But at the lower regional and certainly at the local level, there are a number of advertisers out there that do business with Seminole, um, uh, Learfield IMG, Seminole Properties, that do it to support the school, not for a return on their investment. And it would not surprise me if Keith Jones Motors who was previously a double golden chief and didn't worry about tickets and that type of thing, but was just promoting the university would take that X number of dollars 
and throw that away the way of some athletes and that gets taken from the school. And obviously that's part of the reason why there's the interpretation that current boosters and current sponsors may or may not be able to contribute, blah, blah, blah. But again, those are wrinkles that will need to be worked out. I'm not saying it would be the majority. It may not even be a significant minority, but it's certainly another one of those things that you're going to have to work out and and practice once this thing gets rolling well. Oh, we're having fun now, Keith. We're having fun now on this. In terms of big dollar deals, we haven't really seen a huge splash on that. I did see there's a linebacker at Oregon that actually FSU brought in on a visit, I think, when Coach Taggart was here, Kayvon Thibodeau. He was one of the top linebackers coming out. And now he's actually – Todd McShay's got him as the potential first pick in next year's NFL draft. He has got – or he has apparently cut a six-figure memorabilia deal that just runs the course of this year, which would be his last at Oregon. Uh, I think it's in the $100,000, $150,000 range, uh, although I don't know specifically. Maybe it's higher six figures. But anyway, that seems to be the biggest one I've seen, and that's for the potential top pick in the draft, just so we know where where the bar is being set right now. Well, and again, not to disagree with you, and again, I think I read this. I don't think I made it up, but there's a a freshman going into one of the HBSC, the black colleges, whose father is a – well-known rap artist uh, will be no surprise to our listeners. I'm not big into rap. I don't listen to classical music either. So don't pin me either way. I read that his deal was $2 million and he hasn't even taken a snap yet. Yeah, I did see that. That was Master P's son. And that might be more of a one-off based on who his dad is. Uh, That's my point. That's my point. Yeah. 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 So there will be some of those. I'm just going from a, this is one of the top players in the country. Now, He's a linebacker. He's not a quarterback. So that, you know, if, if the linebacker is getting six figures, the quarterback who's a Heisman candidate is going to get more. But if you if you bring it back to FSU, we haven't seen any huge deals per se. I think we have seen, uh, candidly, and there was a lot of talk before NIL about uh, how women's athletes might stand to benefit more. Jalen Howell is one of them. She's a soccer star. She won soccer's version of the Heisman Trophy, which is the Mac Herman Trophy. She and three other uh, women athletes around the state of Florida got inked by some company for some speaking engagements. I think she's on the hook for three at some YMCA's and her fee for doing those three appearances total, not each is going to be 2,500 bucks, uh, which is good money in her pocket. And if she's able to do, you know, three or four times as many uh, rounds of speaking engagements, obviously, obviously she'll get more money, but we haven't seen the huge dollars yet as connected to FSU. That, that will be, you know, to be seen and certainly uh, coming off of the uh, lack of success that FSU's had on the gridiron, uh, it might uh, lag a little bit. Uh, but again, repeating ourselves, uh, it will be interesting to see how it plays out. And, and I'm telling you, there's going to be some new and creative things out there that we haven't even envisioned. And, and that's the upside of this, just recognizing there's a downside as well. Mackenzie Milton made some headlines he partnered with Miami's quarterback De'Ara King to co-found a company called Dreamfield which is going to help connect student athletes with advertisers as I understand it he's also got his own NFT which was auctioned off last night I didn't see what that went for Uh, Cam McDonald's launched his own line of clothing Andrew Parchment who we haven't even met yet who transferred in from Kansas uh, he's cut a deal with uh, a gaming company, uh, I believe. So fans can play video games with athletes, uh, Yoke Gaming. I don't know what his compensation is there. There's a couple of incoming FSU basketball players who are going to get paid to write blogs for stock risers. So there, there's deals out there, uh, but most of these are, are not in the, in the high dealer, high dollar range. Anyway, uh, as has been the case with NIL since we started uh, mentioning these initials three or four years ago, Keith, more questions than answers. That's kind of been the theme of our show. That should be the sub bullet underneath front row Knowles. More questions than answers. We'll get with Jerry Kutz coming up later in the program from the Osceola, and he may throw a few more questions in there. But he he actually has more answers than you and I do typically, so maybe that'll help with that. How about this one, Keith? Before we before we go to break here in the first segment, let's go to basketball. The uh, deadline to declare that you were going to stay in the NBA draft, which is coming up at the end of this month, was last night, and. You know, I was really holding out hope that Scotty Barnes was going to just come back to FSU. But alas, he's going to stay in the draft, and so is Raekwon uh, Gray and Balsha. I think we all knew that. But but Scotty is one of the big movers in the in the draft workouts right now. And we knew he was going to be a lottery pick. Now it appears 
he's definitely a top six pick. And I think if you listen to some of the NBA experts, now it, it may be a stretch, but there's some, he could get to number four. I don't know if he'd go as high as number three, but if he goes number four, that matches the highest drafted FSU basketball player in history, which is Dave Cowens. So for one year where his stats weren't, you know, over the moon, we all saw the talent and now NBA folks are seeing it too. Two things there, Tommy. Number one, we had CY on a couple of three weeks ago talking about, you know, for years and years, particularly during the dynasty years on the football side, if you came from the Florida State program on the football side, your draft stock was higher because they knew you came from a winning program. They knew the coaching that you had gotten. They knew what you were trained, how you trained in the weight room, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Leonard has built that same thing, and that's what CY was preaching so hard about the program. So the fact that Scotty chose to come here and now he's leaving the Florida state program, I'm sorry in today's world that now adds a little bit to him. Secondly, his skills and what he was taught while he was at Florida state. Don't ever underestimate what Stan and CY and Steve and of course Leonard as the head coach are able to do in terms of teaching these kids how to play man-to-man defense because remember, all of these high-round draft picks came up through the AAU League. They only play offense. You're going to play defense if you come to Florida State. And we saw in the conversations about Terrence and Devin Vassell and, and, and you know even Jonathan Isaac a couple of years ago, their coaches and their players, the pro players they're playing with, their teammates, talking about how good they were defensively and how unusual it was for that high-round draft pick to be an all-around player. And so he's benefiting, A, from his hard work and buying into the program, but B, being part of the program. And that's not going to get a lot of notoriety. Our fans are not going to follow it. National media are not going to follow it. But as CY was preaching, and and, and he was preaching, and he should be, that's the benefit of what Leonard's been able to do with this program, just like Florida State football players has enjoyed for a couple of three decades uh, because of how that program was. Well, the other thing, what it's going to come down for, to for Scotty, in addition to that, in terms of how high he goes, his measurables were tremendous. So when you look at it in terms of his, his vertical jump, his hand size, his wingspan, all that was top five or six from everybody they brought in. So you can't coach that. Correct. Now, the question, the question mark about him is his shot needs to be improved and he needs more consistency. He needs a better outside shot. We all saw that. You can coach that. So it comes down to a whether a team is willing to roll the dice, so to speak, and say, well, we can't make him taller or make his hands bigger, but we can get him a shot, so we're going to take him at four or whatever. Or, you know what, all the mock drafts say we can get him at six, so we're going to take the safer pick and go another direction here. But bottom line, he's a lottery pick and uh, has a chance, outside chance, to be the highest drafted player in FSU basketball history. Okay, we got to take a break. Before we do so, I'll remind you to – Maybe not today. Today is not an ideal golfing day. Although uh, <laughs> we have 19th, this little thing, we have this little thing called a storm. Yeah, the 19th hole will be open, and it's always a, a good day if you want to sit in there and uh, you know partake food, drink, whatever it is. But uh, get out to Summerbrook eight nine four forty six fifty three. I saw the fireworks at Summerbrook this weekend on Fourth uh, of July. They put on a good show as always. But uh, more to the point. Get yourself a tea time. Get a bucket of balls. Work on your game. That's uh, Summerbrook. We appreciate their support of our show. 894-4653. We'll take a break. Come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you, and we continue our conversation on Name, image, likeness, the probably the most positive story I saw nationally in the past week or so since the NIL era began. And we'll discuss that with Dylan Gibbons, who joins us now. Dylan recently transferred to Florida State offensive lineman. Dylan, how are you? 
I'm doing wonderful. It's wonderful to be on the podcast this morning, um, and I look forward to talking to you guys. Yeah, and this is this is a great story, and uh, that's going to be the bulk of the interview. Before we get there, because you are new to FS, well, and first of all, you're in St. Petersburg. Uh, I, ho- I hope, I trust that you and your family made it uh, through the storm okay overnight and into today. Yes, sir. We did wonderful. Um, we did a pretty good job yesterday preparing our house, getting ready for the flooding. Um, it was reported it was supposed to be a four to six foot storm surge. Um, but that did really did come last night for a little bit. Um, so we're doing wonderful. The house is all okay. And most of our neighbors are in a, a pretty good state. Good. That, that, that's good to hear, certainly. Uh, just, just from a broad perspective, before we go to the specific topic of this, this uh, interview, when, when, it, when you, know, you thought about it in the offseason, when you decided to, to jump into the portal and transfer, what was the attraction to Florida State? Why ultimately did you say, you know what, I think the next phase of my career, instead of Notre Dame, I'm going to move on and it's going to be at Florida State? Yep. So first, I want to be a little bit closer to home. I want to be in the state of Florida. Um, when you look at the schools in the state of Florida, Florida State's one of the only schools I actually considered. Uh, moving towards the football side of things, I wanted to find a school where I could play for two more years, um, play a fifth year and a sixth year while pursuing an MBA degree. Um, so that kind of comes down to it. Um, those are my biggest parts of my decision, and Florida State had all that and more for me. Well, well we'll see ironic- what uh, happens. Excuse me, Tommy. We'll see what happens on the football field, but I want to reinforce one thing that you've already graduated. And part of the reason you chose Florida State was their MBA program. What will be your emphasis and, and what will you be looking towards? Um, so I'm actually going to a real estate specialization. Um, I've done a number of internships over the years in private equity and investment banking. Um, but at the end of the day, I want to kind of stay in the state of Florida. At least that's where I'm thinking right now. Um, and getting into the real estate program at FSU would definitely be a, a giant advantage, at least when I'm trying to find a job in the state of Florida. Well, just so you know, if you need an RMI guy, uh, Keith's an adjunct professor in risk management over at the College of Business. So either steer clear or use his counsel uh, as you see fit. Uh, Dylan, one of the interesting things, uh, layers to this this conversation is that, ironically, Notre Dame and Florida State are opening the season against one another, uh, which is the genesis of what you did last year. But but to back up, and for those who aren't familiar with the story, I, I'll let you share it, but, but you used your uh, your status, your, your NIL as a football player, both at Notre Dame and now at Florida State, to start a GoFundMe and, and raise funds for somebody that you've become friends with who has a lot of medical uh, ailments or diseases that he's fighting, and it, it's going to bring him and his family to, to the FSU Notre Dame. And that's a really high-level, short description. Uh, his name is Timothy Donovan. So tell us and our listeners a little bit about how you met Timothy, when you met him, and how you forged such a relationship. Yeah, so it's a pretty interesting story. Um, so one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life was uh, run through Notre Dame's uh, tunnel for the first time out onto the field for my first game in 2017. Um, what a lot of people don't talk about is walking back up that tunnel after a game and that kind of experience. Um, so when you walk back up the tunnel, you get changed from after the game and you're walking out. Um, one of the longstanding traditions is usually hand a kid your gloves or hand them some type of memorabilia, maybe sign a couple footballs or a couple jerseys. But as I'm walking out, um, my dad told me, I don't know, when I was a kid, I kind of had a glimmer in my eye. I looked people in the eye. Um, That's just kind of how I was. So I was looking for a kid to look me in the eye Um, because every single kid in that crowd, probably 30 or 40 kids, was all tugging on my shorts, trying to get the pair of gloves out of my hand. Um, And I was looking for a kid that would actually appreciate me as a human being, not just as a guy that has gloves. Um, So as I was scanning the crowd, I saw Timothy. Timothy's the only kid out of a group of probably 40, 40 young men or kids of, of all different ages that were actually looking me in the eyes. So I walked over to Timothy, knelt down next to his wheelchair, um, and we talked for about 30 minutes. Um, 30 minutes turned into 40 minutes. Um, at the end of the day, it felt like five minutes passed. It really didn't feel like any time. Um, and we exchanged information. My mom and Paula, his mom, um, exchanged information as well just so we could kind of stay updated on Timothy. I went home that night, and uh, I didn't think much about my first game in Notre Dame Stadium. I thought a lot about Timothy Um, because I felt like a a kid like Timothy, he doesn't really get a chance a lot of the time. Most people will walk into his life and walk back out the same day. Um, People will give him wonderful things, wonderful experiences, like taking him to a football game or taking him to a hockey game, you know. At the same time, I was like, how am I going to not be that kind of guy? the kind of guy that he meets maybe once in his life, maybe twice, um, but then walks back out the same day. So I started kind of formulating what I could do for him um, or how I could help him out or how I could be more of a a part of his life. Um, And the first part of that was just staying connected with him 
talking to Paula, having my mom and his mom become really good friends, um, being updated on his condition and how he's doing, um, sending him messages whenever I could, whenever he got admitted or had to go get another surgery. Um, as it turns out, he was able to come to most of my home games in Notre Dame from 2017 until 2020. Um, as you guys know, with the COVID and the pandemic and everything, it was very hard to get people to games. Um, and he couldn't come to games, not only for the fact that he couldn't physically attend the games, um, but he actually had some, some complications with his spine. Um, he's gone through a lot in his life. Um, he has a neurological disease that affects his hands and his feet. Um, he's gone through thyroid cancer um, as a young man. He's only 18 years old. Um, the disease he has is called charcot Marito. Um, bottom line, it just kind of makes certain things in his life extremely difficult. He's been wheelchair-bound since he was a little boy. Um, but with that last spine surgery, um, he was actually one of the first surgeries he's had where he's been able to say yes or no. Either I want to get this surgery to improve the quality of my life or no, I want to live as long as I can without getting a surgery on my spine. Um, the day he walked in to get the surgery, he had a 90-degree bend at one part of his spine. Um, the day he walked out, the bend turned into a 40-degree bend, and he actually gained four or five inches. Um, so luckily that, that surgery went really well. Um, it's, it's actually improved the way that he breathes and allowing him to get more oxygen in his body. So he's doing really well. Um, well the bottom line is we met back in 2017, as we got connected as a family, we figured out a relationship went way past that 2017 date. Um, apparently we were at the same, uh, 2008 game. Um, we were playing against or Notre Dame was playing against Syracuse. We went to the same game. And, uh, when we went to that game, one of the most distinct memories I have of Notre Dame, at least way back then, was me telling my dad I was going to run through that tunnel someday. Someday when I'm older, I promised him I'd be running through that tunnel. And that's something that I was able to accomplish. Um, but thinking back at it, it makes me pretty sad to think that Timothy couldn't say the same thing as his dad. Um, he couldn't have that same experience and he couldn't have those certain things to look forward to that I did when I was a little kid. Um, and I was extremely blessed um, to be in that position, even though me and Timothy are, are very like-minded type kids. And we have, a, have a, a lot of the same things going on up here. Um, just physically, one of us couldn't do it. One of us couldn't aspire to be the same kind of person when we're older. Um, so as we move forward in our life, uh, Timothy's life went one path. I went the other path. Um, as we kind of stay connected, um, I wanted to do as much as I possibly could. Um, so I first heard about the things happening in name, image, and likeness probably two or, two or three years ago when it hit the, the major media sources. Um, and I started planning out what I was going to do for Timothy and how I was going to help him. Um, initially, um, I never really thought I'd be transferring from Notre Dame to FSU um, back then, three years ago. But as we got closer and closer, and I did end up making that decision, um, one of the big goals I wanted to do for him was to get him to the game. Um, so I went ahead and started that GoFundMe. Never really thought I'd get past a couple thousand dollars, which is all the family really would have needed to get to the game. But as the media picked it up from both Notre Dame fans and FSU fans, you guys saw it shoot up. Um, and one day we reached my goal of $30,000. Um, with that, it, it's now to $43,000. Um, what's incredible about it is that we have the whole trip planned out already. Um, we had a number of different people from the Tallahassee area reach out, including places like Garnet and Gold, the AC Hotel, um, and some other people along with FSU football that have donated tickets, lodging, clothing, food, anything that their family is going to need. Um, one of the more incredible things that happened too was one of the nurses that I ran into from the um, COVID, uh, COVID squad at Notre Dame, people that are taking care of us in squad every day, um, actually reached out to me directly saying that she had an interaction with me that lasted probably three minutes, me asking her how her weekend was and how she's doing. Um, and she wanted to come down to the game and take care of Timothy the whole time. She's a, a registered nurse, so she'll be there for the family as well. Um, so it's really been an incredible experience um, for me and the Donovan family. We've been going through this together. Um, on my way home um, for this small break for the 4th of July, I was on the phone with my family and the Donovan family for about two and a half, three hours. <laughs> the whole time we were all just kind of freaking out about everything that was happening. Um, I was unable to look at my phone. But uh, we ended up getting a donation of $15,000 um, to reach the $30,000 goal. Um, it was from a, a company called Super Coffee. Um, and they wanted to go ahead and chip in and help, help Timothy reach that goal. So it's been an a experience I really didn't think it was going to end up like this or, or make as much of a, of a stink in the media. Um, but I'm just so glad to be able to help their family in any way possible. Um, at this point, we're just trying to alleviate the, 
the medical expenses and the financial burden that's happened over the years from the Donovan family. Um, what I failed to mention is that Tim Donovan's dad um, actually fought and served for the Marines back in the day. Um, and Paula, his mom, actually had Timothy while he was in active deployment. Um, so when Timothy was born, um, he had a lot going on as a little kid, as you could probably imagine. Um, and the nurses said that he wouldn't make it and it wouldn't be worth it. And her life was going to be a complete struggle. Um, but Paula fought for Timothy and Paula raised Timothy and, and made him strong and um, has brought him everywhere in their life with them and provided him a wonderful life experience so far. Um, and Tim is actually still working. He works at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio, um, which is actually another kind of weird connection my family's made where a lot of the surgeries Timothy's had, my mom's had at the same hospital and a lot of the places that Timothy's dad does business at, my dad used to do business at back in the day. So it's been a, a crazy experience, um, just two kind of the same type of kid that had completely different life kind of trajectory and paths. And I'm just trying to use um, my life and everything I have behind me and my social media platform uh, to help Timothy out as much as possible. Um, and I'm not done with this. This is going to go as, as far as I can possibly take it. Um, I've had recent conversations with GoFundMe, uh, with their, their CMO and a few different people inside GoFundMe that have given me advice and are helping me market this campaign. Um, I'm trying to get it out to anyone, anyone and everyone that has some, some type of obligation to help Timothy out. Um, he has an amazing story. I'm sure you guys will include the GoFundMe link inside the description of this, um, which I'd really appreciate. But if anyone can contribute in any way possible, we're just trying to give Timothy the best quality of life and uh, make Paula not have to work and, and make Timothy her priority at all times. Dylan, as often happens in situations like this, I'll just ask you a simple question. What have you learned from Timothy? I, I've learned a lot. Um, for me, I've gone through some tough stuff in my life, uh, personally and athletically. Um, I've gone through a lot of different injuries in football. I broke my fifth metatarsal three times and wasn't able to walk for months at a time. But kind of connecting with a person like Timothy that has a whole different uh, life and a whole different life trajectory than mine has made me realize the big picture of things. Um, how not walking for a few months doesn't mean anything. How where I am at and even though how hard I've struggled to get to this point isn't anything. It isn't any hard, it isn't any hard work. It isn't any, anything compared to what Timothy's been through in his life so far. And every day I'm given to, to walk on two feet is a blessing. Um, something I think about a lot. Um, Timothy's never been able to wear shoes. Um, imagine, imagine never be able to put on a pair of shoes. Um, it, it makes me upset just because it's something you take, takes, for granted a lot. I've, I've had all different types of injuries, injuries that prevent me from wearing shoes. But six months later, I'll be able to slip a pair of shoes on my feet. Timothy's never in his life been able to wear shoes. Um, so it's a little thing like that um, kind of keeps me going, even though I'm going through something tough, tough in my life. Um, I, I know it's not, not any, even remotely tough to the struggles that Timothy goes through on a daily basis. Do you get a sense for what your relationship has meant to him? You said earlier in the interview you were looking for somebody that would look you in the eyes, not just see you as a football player handing out gloves. Well, he was probably looking for somebody that would look him in the eyes and not just see him as some figure out there that's in a wheelchair. So what, what, what's your sense of what your connection has meant to him? I think it's meant a lot. Um, I, I don't use the, the term I, I love you a lot to, to random people or even, even my friends some of the times. Um, but I, I genuinely love the Donovan family. I love Timothy. Um, and he loves me. He says, says it back every time we get on the phone call. Um, so for him to be able to have um, someone to be able to give his message to the masses um, and just what, what's happened over the past couple of months, I think means the world to him. Um, everyone deserves their, their day in the sun. And uh, I, I think I, I'm one of the people that helped Timothy give his day, give day in the sun. So. Dylan, congratulations on, on a great effort. Uh, and it was a great effort before you went public with this, with, with the time you've committed and the friendship you've forged with, with Timothy and the family. But uh, continued success in fundraising for him. I know there'll be a lot more stories and publicity about this as that game draws closer. And obviously, you'll be getting ready for the game at that time. But I do hope you get some quality time with him and his family uh, after the game is over in what will be a short mm -hmm. week since it's a Sunday game. But uh, job well done. Thank you so much. Um, and if you guys have any advice uh, on different ways, I could try to get this out to the, the major media sources. 
um, and try to spread the good word about Timothy and his family, um, I'd really appreciate it. Well, we'll do our part when we uh, when this share uh, show airs and, and, and we'll tweet out some info about it. But uh, happy to try and help. But I think the story stands on its own and you're going to get a lot of publicity with this and, and, take, and take the fundraising to even greater heights. Appreciate a few minutes of your time today. Hey, thank you guys so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dylan. Offensive lineman at FSU. We'll step aside, come back with more front row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. Joined now by the founder of the Osceola, the old school Osceola and the new school Osceola, Jerry Kutz. He joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Hey, Jerry, how are you? Doing good, Tom. How are you and Keith doing? We're doing well. It's good to know that you let uh, Patrick Burnham and Bob Frante have some time off here before we get into the throes of football season. So uh, they'll be back with us soon. But uh, speaking of football season, Jerry, we're in July, which means we're less than a month now from when Florida State football reports and gets after it. What's your general big-picture thought as we get closer to the season? I think it's a lot of enthusiasm out there among the fan base. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of that enthusiasm, I think, is based on, uh, on the success that Mike's recently had in recruiting. You know, and that help doesn't arrive until 2022, but it still builds the momentum going into the season. ACC kickoff coming up in a couple of weeks, and obviously that's when football will really start to, to make more headlines. What's making headlines right now, Jerry, is name, image, likeness. And Keith and I spent the whole first segment discussing NIL. We knew there'd be questions and hiccups and wrinkles and lots of questions that don't have answers, which is where we sit a week into it. What's jumped out at you so far in this new era? Well, first of all, let me uh, agree with you. The, the NCA has put itself in a position now where it's having to design the plane as it flies it. And, uh, but that was on them. They could have planned for this years ago. And, but we are where we are. And so there's more uncertainties than, than there are known quantities. Um, what I find interesting is uh, I, I – you know, I hang out with a lot of the old coaches and players, and everybody can see the the problems with this. But there's – with anything that's new, there's problems. There's going to be kinks to work out. But there's some really good things, too. And uh, two of the things I emphasize is, one, you're giving the players a way now to earn some money um, that is legal. Um, and – you know, if kids want to make some extra cash for spending money, they have a way to do it now that's, uh, that's legal. And the second thing that I think is really important, and a lot of people are missing it, is that if you want to get in on that income with through NIL, you better keep a clean brand. You know, you, you better establish a brand that advertisers are going to want to participate in and uh, so you, you you ought to be a little more careful about your social media and your uh, your personal behavior uh, you know things that as you get older you learn you need to do but when you're a kid you don't really think about and uh, so I think that's a really good thing it's it's a little bit of a of a social uh, police force if you will Gary, in talking to the coaches, I've not gotten the impression, uh, I'd be interested if you have, as to whether they're concerned about the distraction. I mean, you're supposed to be in school, you've got a social life, and you're playing football in this conversation. Now you, you've got an NIL issue or a brand issue. Any worries? I know there's worries, but any 
express concerns about what this is going to do uh, in terms of their uh, attention span and their commitment and their concentration? Or have you heard nothing like me? I haven't heard much, Keith. I mean, I hear it from the old coaches and uh, guys like Mickey and Andrews and Jim Gladden, they kind of worry about that. Um, but they're removed uh, almost a generation now from the players today. And these, these players today are very active on social media, whether they're getting paid to be or not. So I don't know. I, it's a great question. And probably the, we won't know that until we get into it. Um, uh, yeah, I noticed, uh, Tom, you were on the call this today with the uh, incoming freshmen, and not a one of them have given it any consideration. I thought that was interesting. So, um, yeah, I, that's the thing, Tom. And the other, Keith, the other thing that I think the coaches are going to have to learn about is if I'm a player, let's say I'm a quarterback, and I have an agreement with a car dealership. And the car dealership's going to presume that I am the starting quarterback at Florida State. Well, what happens if I'm no longer the starting quarterback? Um, I lose my NIL agreement. I'm going to be in my coach's office saying, hey, you're costing me money. I mean, there's some, there's a lot of tentacles to this thing that are yet to be seen. I think the biggest one, though, Jerry, I mean, there's the the minutia and how are people interpreting NIL and can boosters be involved? Miami just cut a deal where somebody wants to I say Miami, a Miami booster and his and his gym. He wants to pay 500 bucks a month to every Miami football player. But all that all that aside and we'll see how all this shakes out. Do you think it's going to upset? The pecking order. I mean, does this make Alabama better and stronger than they are now? Does it give UCF a better chance in the marketplace because of the, the idea that Florida State is not as deep pocketed as some of the blue bloods? Does this hurt Florida State or does everything end up being more or less the same because there's an 85 scholarship limit? And no matter how many dollars Alabama boosters want to spend, they can still only sign 85 guys a year. And they're already signing the best 85 over the course of four years. Yeah, I, I think it. I think you could see some distributions of uh, of power, you know, in recruiting based upon this. I think some kids will be attracted somewhere because the, you know, the school they're not supposed to. I don't think market nil to them, but you know it'll happen. Um, and, and I would think Tom that the bigger cities maybe have an advantage. Um, you know, a Miami, for example, might have an advantage over a Gainesville or a Tallahassee because there's so many uh, uh, alumni with businesses that truly could benefit by by having, uh, you know, uh, players from their respective schools representing them. I mean, you, you think about the, the, the gym, the Miami booster with the gyms, if he has autograph signings and player appearances um, at his gyms, and he may have 20 or 30 of them across Dade County, um, that can work for him and for the student athlete, as well as for the fans that want to get out and meet these guys. A little tougher in a town like Tallahassee. I mean, Gold's Gym's probably got three locations. Jerry, I made the observation, the contention that, uh, you know, amateur, amateurism as we know it is gone. So all of us that are quote unquote old school, you know, this, this just doesn't sit well with us. But the reality is this is the reality. Just like yeah. those of us that used to like nine to three ball games, you know, <laughs> you know you're not going to keep your, your defense is not going to average only giving up, you know, six points a game or nine points a game in today's world. It, it is what it is. So in that regard, it's new territory. I mean, it, 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 it is breeding conversation and uh, ingenuity and, and creativity, uh, whether we like it or not. Exactly. And I'm proud of FSU for recognizing that 
and trying to get out on the front end of it, um, you know, by establishing courses to help these guys educate themselves on how to build a brand. Now, those are life skills that they'll carry with them well after they leave college. And, uh, you know, if you resist something long enough, you're just going to destroy yourself. I mean, I think you, you, you need to be an innovator or at least an early adopter. And I, I think FSU is doing that to their credit. We used and, to have hey, a saying. Thing, huh? We used to have a saying way back in the day, uh, particularly when technology was introduced. You, you want to be on the leading edge, but you don't want to be on the bleeding edge of everything that's going on. I, I used to be in the computer field, and we uh, talked about that. And then uh, the other one was the pioneers. You know, being a pioneer in the industry. Those are the guys with the arrows in their backs. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's a dangerous uh, world to get into, but you have to, I think. And, and uh, I think uh, uh, FSU is doing the right thing by what they're doing. One thing we haven't talked about, I think this thing might be, we might look back in a few years and, and say, well, it was much to do about nothing. It could be. Where I think it'll have really some huge effects is in our what we call non-revenue sports, the Olympic sports. I mean, we had a girl here in soccer two years ago that had like two million followers. Um, how much do you think John Pack could have brought in this past year in golf? Or uh, another kid I look to is somebody like uh, Anthony Polite. Well, Anthony isn't a household name, maybe first guy you'd think of for an NIL agreement in Tallahassee, Florida. He's huge in Switzerland, his home country. And, and there's going to be, you'll, you might be surprised at how much money is generated by our female athletes. Well, think about Jesse Warren a couple of years ago after she made that catch. I mean, just being the hero for FSU softball. Right. I realized her, her career ended, I guess, shortly thereafter, but but she was a figure at that level that could have collected some dollars, too. Yeah. Jerry, Jerry Kutch from the uh, the Osceola. Jerry, we'll let, let you get back to your uh, your summer vacation, but we appreciate the good work that you and your team do at theosceola.com. Hey, thank you, guys. You've been a great partner with us, and we anytime you need any of us, we're here for you. Thank you. Sounds good. More Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles as we wrap things up. Keith, what do you think? A few years from now, to Jerry's last point there, might we look back and say it was much ado about nothing? I don't think we'll say that, but I do think we need to remind ourselves, and I know I need to remind me, uh, that when this whole concept of full cost of attendance came about, we said it was going to bankrupt the athletic departments and it wasn't going to work. And we really haven't seen much of a blip out of that at all. And for those of our listeners that uh, tuned in and and heard our conversation with, um, you know, from last week, you know, it, it, Jim Curry was talking about the education part and FSU did a very good job of getting ahead of the full cost of attendance. Cause when you start handling 18 to 22 year olds, even in this world, you know, a thousand or $1,200 a month, you know, that's found money for most of them. Uh, I'm not suggesting you're going to hand them a hundred thousand dollars a month through NIL, but you, you may give them a few more. And so what they've done in terms of getting ahead of it, as Jerry referenced uh, with the education, the courses and those types of things, I don't think it'll be much to do about nothing, but I do think alarmists, even myself, maybe have overblown it a little bit. There'll be a few things. There'll be a few isolated cases. There'll be something that is outside the norm that will, you know, get attention. But this is the continued progression of what's happening in college athletics, whether we like it or not. It's the same thing we did 
when we said that the Olympics could have professional players now. And then they opened it up to basketball and golf and tennis and those types of things. It's just the progression of the sport. Same thing as we talked about in terms of the offense, you know, you know, you know, teams used to win the national title for defense or defense against the score with, you know, 250 yards and eight points a game. And that's that you do that by first quarter now. So it's just a progression for those of us that are a little older and a little less uh, nimble. It creates consternation, but we'll get over it. Well said. A few highlights from around the Florida State landscape real quick as we wrap things up. Baseball draft is coming up uh, Sunday to Tuesday. Matthew Nelson, by the way, who had a terrific year and career at FSU, won the Buster Posey Award, the Johnny Bench Award, nation's best catcher. MLB.com has him listed as the 40th overall prospect in the draft. So he's going to go high, and he'll get a nice uh, contract for that, I would assume. Robbie Martin is in the top 250 as well around 150 around 100 I think actually so he'll he'll get drafted and there's a few signees in the class that are that are likely to get picked pretty high and we'll see if they end up coming to Florida State softball team softball team is hitting the transfer portal Keith they they landed two players in the last 24 hours or 36 hours by the time you listen to this uh, both of whom were regular starters one from Illinois State a, a good hitter and a pitcher and then one from USF, an infielder that started every game of her career at South Florida. So Lonnie is doing some work. We're seeing the transfer portal outside of football. Exactly. We, we talked about football and basketball. Now it's getting making its way down. Uh, and I don't mean down in a negative sense, but just down the pecking order. We'll finish up with football. Since we last talked, uh, Florida State got another commitment from Jarrell Powers, a tight end from Duncanville, Texas. Seems to be a flex tight end that could cause some mismatches if you split them out wide. So the question there will be, is he big enough to be a more traditional tight end? And maybe Mike Norvell doesn't want that anyway, but we'll see. But that's uh, the 15th commitment in the boat as I speak. Uh, A.J. Duffy, the quarterback commit, played well at the Elite 11 over the weekend. So uh, that could, continues to be a really solid commitment for Florida State. Here's the thing I, I peeked in at yesterday, Keith, and I don't know if you saw it. I forget, but you're at the beach this week, right? Keith lives Correct. at the beach people so when you're at the beach do you have or do you not have the acc network we do have the acc network okay so yesterday was uh, acc or fsu takeover day on the acc and you know i watched some of that florida state north carolina football game which proved to be a mirage or perhaps it proved to be what florida state can be when it actually functions and is better than the sum of its parts and it got me excited about football and mad all at the same time about the way a lot of the rest of the season went. <laughs> but, but, but hopefully we can look more like the first half of that game uh, than even the second half of that game when it got pretty dicey. You know, again, we've said it all during the time we've been doing this show. Uh, we get so excited over the summer months. Everyone's undefeated. Everybody's going to make the playoff. Everybody's playing for the national championship. Uh, and our enthusiasm uh, has waned a little bit. Uh, during Julys of maybe a year or two ago or three ago. But now it's Jerry talked about we're back at it. Uh, so uh, we, we'll remain optimistic. Uh, one last thing we haven't talked about, which is no mission on our part, the uh, Director's Cup final results are out. Florida State finished 16th in the country, I believe, in uh, all sports uh, uh, excellence. Uh, and I think that's the fourth or the fifth year that they've been in the top 20. Uh, so we'll, we'll get excited about football. We'll celebrate the, uh, 2021 accomplishments of all sports and we will soldier on. I think it was the fourth year in a row in the top 16, but if you look at the last two decades, they've been in the top 20 pretty consistently. I'd, I'd bet at least 15 out of those 20 years and maybe 17 or 18 times. They've been pretty strong across the board. All right. I'll shut up. Keith, enjoy the rest of your time uh, at the beach and uh, we'll do this again next week. Look forward to it, Tom. Thank you. Keith. I'm Tom. This is Front Row Knowles. Control.